following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. She saw what she had done. She gave her father 41. Andrew Borden now is dead. Lizzie hit him on the head. Up in heaven he will sing. On the gallows she will swing. Hi, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to episode 51 of Teen Girls Investigate Crime Podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. So today we actually have two episodes coming out, so make sure to, after you listen to this one, go check out our bonus episode with our spooky, mysterious, I don't know what we're calling those, unexplained story time. Unexplained. Phenomenons. Phenomenons. So go check that one out after listening to this. Um, but yeah, today we will be covering the infamous Lizzie Borden case. I don't know if you've maybe already figured that out by the little song we sang. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a telltale giveaway. Also, I'm sorry if that's really scary. Yeah. It's kind of a jump scare. Yeah. Okay, also, Izzy told me to share this, and I don't really know at what point to share this other than now, so I'm going to. So, that little, what, little, uh, nursery rhyme, question mark, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) was written, like, anonymously, and it's suspected that it was written by Mother Goose. Okay. But, like, everyone knows who Mother Goose is, right? You know Mother yeah. Goose Tales? Um, did you guys know that it's, like, anonymous? That's terrifying to me. I I'm really hate that. by that. Like, no one knows who Mother Goose is. I actually really hate that. I... Really bothers me. Actually, I don't know why it bothers me so much, but I didn't know that, and it just really freaks me out a lot. And so, yeah, I felt the need to share that, but, like, we're gonna start, we're gonna start with the real case now. Yeah, and this was, like, I think our most research-heavy case we've done in a long time. Yeah, um, and by that, Izzy means she did all the research. Because, yeah, I, um, I got a little bit too involved. <laughs> um, if you listen to our Lisa Lamb case, it kind of got, like, that, so, yeah. Um, I haven't had one of those in a while. I, I need a, I need one. Yeah, this one... This one was my kryptonite. Yeah. I know you've been wanting to do this for a while, but I was like, no, no, I don't want to do that. I love this case. But here's the funny thing. So I, I've been on like a little supernatural kick, and for those of you who've listened to our podcast before know that I'm like, don't believe in the supernatural. Um, I'm starting to kind of change my ways a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, over spring break, I had a lot of free time where I was like, you know, laying on the beach or in the car or whatever. And I started listening to Supernaturally podcasts, and I've become fascinated. So I was like, Izzy, pick something to do supernaturally. And this was an option. And I was like, oh, okay. It's not super supernaturally, but I came across a theory on my own, and I was mm-hmm. like, that's supernaturally, so I'm kind of excited. Yeah, and uh, the other options, let me just tell y'all. Mothman, another case I'm fascinated by. I don't, I don't know. There are police reports. Stupid. I love it. If you guys watched or have watched BuzzFeed Unsolved, they did a video on it, and I that's my comfort YouTube video. Oh, my God. What's your comfort YouTube video? I don't have one. I'm really disturbed that yours is BuzzFeed Unsolved's Mothman. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wow. I don't have a comfort YouTube video. I have comfort shows. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of YouTube recently, so. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so Lizzie Andrew Borden was born in Fall River, Massachusetts on July 19th in 1860. She was raised by her parents, Andrew Borden and Sarah Borden, and she had one sister named Emma. The family was fairly wealthy, wealth, wealthy. <laughs> I cannot talk, it's been too long since it's okay. recorded. It's okay. okay. Um, they were fairly wealthy because of her dad's job. He was a director of several textile mills and banks. I guess that's how you get wealthy in Massachusetts back in the day. In the 1800s? Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, her father was, like, notably very frugal, and 
they like lived in a particular modest house for being very wealthy and they actually didn't have any indoor plumbing or gas or lighting like any of that and which was like super strange because they were like rich and at yeah. the time rich people had that shit yeah and like even i think like upper like middle class had that shit and he was just like no i'm going to save my textile money for myself yeah basically um Anyway, so a little bit about her growing up. She grew up as a religious Christian and was involved in several church organizations and regularly attended Sunday school. Nice. Her mother died when she was only a few years old and her father remarried three years later to Abby Borden. Uh, Lizzie disliked her stepmother, but it's not very clear. They, like, basically give all this evidence to say that she disliked her, but, like, they're like, it's not really sure. We're not really quite sure, but it's pretty obvious. Um, she thought, first of all, that Abby was, like, a gold digger. (laughs) Like, it's, like, the Wikipedia page is, like, oh, they thought, Lizzie thought that Abby had married her father for his money. Gold digger. Yeah, Um, she's literally, like, a gold digger, and she's also, I think she's, like, 15 years older than he is. Yeah. Wait, she's older? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Ew, that's weird. Yeah. Okay, that's actually, that's bad. I'm sorry, that is so sexist of me. But, like, that's weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> gold, kind of what weird. kind of gold digger is older than the dude? <laughs> when has it ever happened before? Clearly, he was just thirsty. Like, he wanted some of that Abby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I almost said something so bad. Okay, we're going to continue now. Um, also, apparently Lizzie called her Mrs. Borden, not, like... Mother. Or, like, Abby. Hmm. Like, a lot of people call their step-parents by their first names. They don't like them, even. But, like, she called her Mrs. Borden. <laughs> It's just fucking weird. That is really weird. <laughs> um, um, the family had a maid that lived with them named Bridget Sullivan, who reported some details about Lizzie's home life as well. So, first off, they uh, the whole family refused to call her Bridget, which was, like, her real name, and they called her Maggie because that was the name of their previous maid. Okay, what the fuck? I didn't even know that. I literally put on all this thing calling her Maggie, and Izzy's like, hey, maybe you shouldn't yeah. say that. That, like, wasn't her name. Yeah, well, they don't make it very clear in a bunch of sources. Like, you kind of... I've, like, ingested a lot of information about this case. <laughs> but, yeah, like, that wasn't even her name. Like, they literally... I don't know how long she was employed by them, but they called her Maggie this entire time. That sucks. I'm sorry. That is so rude. That's, like... Izzy, I'm going to call you this because my, my former best friend was called, that was their no, name. No, literally. And also, uh, so yeah, if it, it, it might get a little confusing in here because we have some quotes from Lizzie, and she refers to Bridget as Maggie, so just know that they're the same person. Yeah, we'll try to clarify. Yeah. Okay, so she said that Emma and Lizzie rarely ate meals with their parents, and right leading up to the murder, she also said that the tensions were very high within the family. In May of of 1892, Andrew Borden murdered several pigeons, (laughs) which Lizzie had just built a roost for. I'm sorry. Okay, so murdered, so killed them. Did they, like, eat them? No, they just... He just killed them. He thought that they were bad news. (laughs) So he took his his gun and shot them in the garage. for this um no literally she like loved these pigeons like they were her pets which it's a whole nother wacky thing but her dad was like no these pigeons suck i'm gonna kill them and kill them wow i would be mad at my dad if he did that too yeah but also if you had pet pigeons i think we'd have a whole but another set of issues yeah that's like people have like pet like 
Rats. No pet rats, at least you can buy at a store. Yeah, pigeons, you just, like, it's pet squirrels. That's yeah, a better that's, comparison. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Okay. Then, in, this was already causing some issues, because Lizzie was like, why the fuck did you kill my pet pigeons? <laughs> um, in July of 1892, an argument resulted in Emma and Lizzie taking extended, quote-unquote, vacations to another city in Massachusetts. Hmm. Like, I don't... First of all, it's kind of weird that they're living at home anyway, because they're, yeah, like, 30-year-old like 30. women. Yeah. Um, but they, they took some extended vacations, um, because they were just having too many issues at home. Mm. They were also having some issues, not financial issues, like, they were, like, losing money or anything, but they're having, um, like, uh, controversies over mm. who was receiving this money. Nice. So, Andrew began giving money and property to Abby's family, which really pissed off his daughters, because they were like, she's a gold digger! She's from a family of gold diggers. And so they got really mad because, you know, they wanted the property and whatever. These girls seem like assholes. I mean, yeah, but, like, I feel like this whole family just sucks. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they're already having issues or whatever. And then, just days before the murders, the f- entire family has been extremely sick because, like, <laughs> like stomach issue sick. Because either from food poisoning or, like, legitimate poisoning. It's speculated that there was, like, some meat that was left on the counter for too long that they were eating, and then, like, they got food poisoning, or Andrew, like, was not a well-liked dude, and so, like, they could have actually, like, someone could have poisoned him, but, like, not well enough to, like, kill anybody. Yeah, and then all of them just ate it, because yeah. it was, like, dinner. Uh-huh. So, no one really knows, which seems funny, because, like, now that'd be so easy to figure out. Yeah. But whatever. Um, they didn't have, like, toxin testing, I guess, then. No, in this family, they're probably just, like, morons who ate the food off the counter. No, honestly, <laughs> I think they might have, like, just eaten the meat off the counter that had been there for, like, a week. Yeah, food poisoning, or, like, actual poisoning seems like too much. Food poisoning makes more sense. Yeah, and also I feel like there are more symptoms that go along with, like, actual poisoning, yeah. right? Anyway, they Anyways. were super sick because, you know, they ate this, the bad meat. I think it was, like, yeah. it was probably something weird, like mutton or venison mm-hmm. or something. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this timeline is a little bit different if you've been listening to other other ones of our episodes. So first we're going to start with the murders, then we're going to go into the investigation, and then finally, the trial. So, let's start with the timeline of the murders. So August 4th of 1892, John Morse, who was a family friend, had actually stayed in the guest bedroom the night before on August 3rd. And the morning of August 4th, at about 7.30, breakfast was served, and Andrew and John sat in the living room and conversed for about an hour. What are you, British? Yes, I am. This entire time, I was, like, talking like I was from a different time. Anyways, by 8.48 a.m., Morse left the house in order to buy two oxen for his niece in Fall River, and he planned to return to the Borden household for lunch at about 12 p.m., At about 9 a.m., Andrew Borden left the house to go on a morning stroll into town to visit some of his establishments, so, like, his stores and, like, Mm. the assorted buildings he owned. And also, like, the timestamps for this are so rough. Like, did they have clocks back then? Probably not good ones. Okay. Yeah. And because Emma and Lizzie were grown-ass women living at home, they had usual chores. And one of those regular chores was cleaning the guest bedroom. So, this morning, they actually didn't do that because Emma was out of town, and um, Lizzie was like, you know what, Abby, why don't you do it? So, Abby went to the room and made the bed between about 9 and 10.30 a.m., which is a very large amount of time. That's a long time to be making a bed. Yeah. Like, she was older, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That's a 
long time. Yeah, I don't know. An hour and a half <laughs> <laughs> to make a bed. I don't I mean, know. Did she like take off all the sheets, wash them, and put them back on? That could like check out. Maybe Dude, I don't know. I I, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, Bridget, who is their maid, stated that during this time she was actually outside washing the windows, like the outside and the inside. Which Lizzie had forced her to do, even though she was still feeling ill from either the food poisoning or purposeful poisoning that had taken place a few days before. Jesus, Lizzie's so, a yeah. bitch. No, Lizzie was like, you know what? Go wash the windows in the August weather in Massachusetts. Have fun with if that. If I was Bridget, I would have, like, purposely vomited on the windows. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, walked away. Or on Lizzie. <laughs> yeah. On the contrary, Lizzie was, she actually first stated that she was in the dining room ironing napkins while Abby was upstairs and Bridget was outside, so not a very useful um, thing to be doing or efficient. Anyways. It sounds like that riddle about the, like, getting murdered in a roundhouse and, like, everyone doing shit. Never heard that. You never heard that riddle? No. Would you like to hear the riddle? Yeah, do it. Okay, okay. Let me see if I can remember. Okay. A man was murdered <laughs> in a roundhouse. Um, the butler was cutting cheese in the kitchen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I said cutting cheese. <laughs> I was thinking about Bertram from Jesse. <laughs> I'm, like, making this up because there's, like, really only me, like, two Okay, okay, okay. Right, okay. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was cutting cheese. <laughs> In the kitchen. The kids were upstairs playing a game. And the wife was out running errands. Uh, the maid was dusting the corners. And then the... It was the maid. It's a roundhouse. Yeah! Stop! You ruined the riddle! <laughs> Anyways, that was... That was, the, that was the riddle. I'm sorry, guys. This is such a mess. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So... <laughs> that was a really good riddle. Thank Anyways. you. Okay, so... Police actually believe that at about 9.30 a.m., Abby was first faced by her killer. So, the first strike by the hatchet actually hit the side of her head just above her ear, and this blow caused her to fall to the ground. And when she fell, she actually hit the front... She hit the front of her face head-on onto the floor, so she had scrapes on her nose and forehead. And if you look at the crime scene photos, she's still laying on the ground like that. Anyways, so it's also really important to mention that Abby was 200 pounds. So, and, like, people who visited the house say that you can hear everything. So when she, like, hit the ground, it would have, like, created, like, a pretty loud thud, and, like, obviously it would have, like... Almost not made the house shake, but made the house shake. So... This is body shaming a little bit. 200 pounds is not that much. No, we were actually talking about this earlier. Like, every article made such a big deal. She was, she was 200 pounds. Like, no. Like, it's just like... sound like she was on, like, my 600 pounds. No. (laughs) She was not really that big. It was just, like, the house was really old. If you've ever been in an old house, you know that, like, sound travels. Like, I actually have a story about that. Um, I was... I had just danced on my TV in St. Louis. Mm. And we lived in this really old house, and it was above the dining room. And one time I was playing Just Dance with my friend, and it was shaking the chandelier so bad in the dining room that it almost fell. Oh. Yeah, so it's just like, really anything falling in an old house is going to make a loud noise. 
And after falling to the ground, Abby was actually struck 17 times in the back of the head with an axe, which oh. obviously killed her. Okay, and not 40 times. Yeah, not 40 times. Actually, I read a thing about, like, the nursery. I'm just really extrapolated, but it was 17 times. Extrapolation. Extrapolation. Anyways. So, another really important thing to note is that although Lizzie was literally directly underneath her ironing napkins, she claims that she heard nothing. So, and also, like, how are you not going to hear someone getting, like, chopped to pieces by an axe? You'd think. You'd think, Yeah. Um, so between the time of 10.30 and 10.45, Andrew actually returned home from his brisk walk to the city, and <laughs> the door itself to the house had, like, a lot of locks on it, however, they only locked, like, one, like, lock during the day. Okay. So when he went to unlock the door and the key failed to open it, he became, knock- like, knocking on the door, and eventually Bridget went to unlock the door but upon, like, starting, like, trying to open it, she realized that it was jammed, and she cursed in Gaelic, and apparently, like, right after she cursed, she heard Lizzie, from what she says, was about the top of the stairs laughing. She didn't see her, but she said that she heard her from up there. It's horrifying. Which is absolutely terrifying, and she specifically noted this in her testimony, because at the time, um, Abby would have already been dead, so if someone's... Someone was on the second floor, <laughs> her body would have been visible to them. And Lizzie actually later denied being on the second floor, but that's for the trial. So, when she was asked what she was doing when her father returned home, she claimed that when he had actually asked where Abby was, she responded and said that a messenger had delivered a summons to visit for her to visit one of her six, sick friends. Why was everyone sick right now? No, I don't know. But this was bullshit. The notice was never found, and Abby did not have a sick friend. Not to mention she was fucking dead on the second <laughs> floor. laying dead upstairs. She was literally dead upstairs. So Abby, or not Abby, Lizzie was just like, yeah, she got a summons, which was bullshit. And then, yeah. And Lizzie claims that at this point, she removed her father's boots and replaced them with slippers before he laid down on the sofa to take a nap. But... This detail was later contradicted by crime scene photos, which show Andrew in boots when oh. he was dead on the couch. So why would like why make that up? Like that doesn't even make sense. Interesting. And after that, after her father had gone to take a nap, Lizzie told Bridget that there was a sale at a nearby department store, and that she would allow Bridget to attend if she so wished. Oh, how nice of her. But Bridget actually denied the invitation and stated that she felt ill and needed to rest after cleaning the windows and wished to take a nap in her bedroom, which was on the third floor. Mm. At about 11.09 a.m., she was awoken by Lizzie calling from downstairs saying, quote, Maggie, come quick. Father's dead. Why Someone came in and killed him. I don't know. So when Bridget actually came downstairs, she was met with a gruesome sight. Um... Well, she actually wasn't mad with the site because Lizzie told her that she should go find a doctor and wouldn't allow her into the room. But we now know that Andrew was slumped on the couch and he had actually been struck in the face about 11 times with the axe. And one of his eyes was split cleanly in two, which indicates that he was sleeping when he was attacked. Mm. And he was still bleeding, indicating that the attack was extremely recent. Wow. Yeah. And it's also interesting to note that when Lizzie sent Bridget to go get a doctor, the first doctor, who was the only English doctor, was not available, and that was our general practitioner. 
And the closest doctor who was there was right near their house, but he was an immigrant, and even though he's available, Lizzie would not let him see her father. Wow. Yeah. So Lizzie really sucks in all departments. Yeah. So eventually they got in touch with their general doctor, and when he returned to the house, quite a while later, he pronounced them dead. I could have told you that. Yeah, if you look at the crime scene photos, which they're very gruesome, so I would not recommend it, it's very obvious that they're dead. Anyways, so, the investigation. So, Lizzie made extremely convoluted and contradictory statements to the police throughout the entirety of their investigation. So, first off, one of the main things that they thought was weird in the house was that there was no blood anywhere, except for on the bodies. And Lizzie also had no blood on her dress, only a bit of splatter on her undergarments. And when they were searching the house, they found a bucket in the basement full of water and bloody clothes and rags. That's so normal. Do you not have one of those in your house, Izzy? So normal. No, I, I don't have a bloody bucket. <laughs> um, and they were like, hey, Lizzie, um, what, what is this? And she was... You know how she she actually handled it very well. If she is lying about this, right? Mm-hmm. She said, I, "I'm on my period. I'm menstruating. Those are my oh. those are my period cloths." Oh, I I didn't realize when you're on your period, you can get blood all over your shirt and all over all of your clothes. Like apparently, it was just a bucket full of blood. Like it wasn't like oh. a little bit. Like it was so a lot. Was she just like sitting on the bucket during her like, entire cycle? Like profusely bleeding? I like I don't know. Um so yeah, it just didn't really make sense, but <laughs> the police never asked her about it again. So oh. It was smart on her part if she did commit these murders. So, her statements to the police made no sense, and she would go from one claim to the next. One minute she was in the house, the next she was in the barn. One minute she was there at this time, the next minute she wasn't. And the police also claimed that she had a really odd demeanor, and it was almost too calm and poised to the point where she seemed emotionless. But now we know that, like, everyone grieves differently, and, like, you never know how the situation was handled. Like, how one person conceptualizes something isn't going to be the same as the other person. So she could just have been handling grief, or it was potentially something else. You know, she was also on her period, so you've got to cut her some slack. No, literally. So, yeah. And even though she was, like, acting super weird and changing her story constantly, the investigation was completely botched. Like, they never checked her for bloodstains. Her room was never searched. The house was searched very minimally. Oh. That was and, like a murder scene, though. Yeah, exactly. And in their, like, inspection of the basement, which is where they looked most thoroughly, they found two hatchets and two axes and one broken hatchet. Hmm. So the broken hatchet is actually what is suspected to be the murder weapon due to the fact that the break in the handle appeared to be fresh. And the dust and ash on the head, it looked like it was placed on purpose, almost like someone had rubbed it to make it look like, fit in with, (laughs) bless you, to make it fit in with the other ones. Interesting. Yeah, but, you know, they thought this was murder. It was never taken from the house for oh. further yeah. uh, investigation. Okay. Yeah, you know, I don't know why. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Sorry. So, Lizzie had actually attempted to purchase hydrocyanic acid in a diluted form from the local drugstore prior to the family family's illnesses just days before. And this is the poison that was doctors prescribed. What is that? The acid? Yeah, like, what does it do? It's, like, a... It's a poison. Like, it's, like, a diluted poison. Oh, like, like to kill someone? Yeah. 
Oh, maybe she poisoned everybody. No, actually. So that's what they think. And, uh, yeah, so that's pretty interesting. And it's, it was a big part of the investigation. And apparently the night of August 4th, an officer had actually stated that he had seen Lizzie and Alice, who... it was Alice? Okay, sorry, everyone. I skipped a bullet point. So basically, Lizzie and Emma's friend, Alice Russell, decided to stay with them the night following the murders while Morse spent the night in the attic guest room. Morse was the guest that was there the day of the murders. Uh, Remember, he went to go buy the ox for his... His daughter? His niece. Like one does. Yeah, like one does. So she was there, too. And that was the Alice who the officer saw go into the basement. And apparently, they were carrying a kerosene lamp in a bucket, and they then left the basement, and then, like, not too long later, Lizzie returned by herself. Oh my god. It's unclear what they were doing, but yeah. So many demons? Yeah, exactly. Um, So, August 6th, the police did a more thorough inspection of the house, and they informed Lizzie that she was a suspect in the murders. And by August 7th... Alice actually came into the kitchen and saw that Lizzie was tearing a dress and that she had planned to burn it on the stove. Oh. She, well, you know what? She, she claimed that the dress had some paint on it. Yeah. She rubbed up against some wet paint. Red paint? Yeah. Blood. It's blood. It's definitely blood. And they actually never determined if this was the dress that she was wearing during the murders because it was burned by the investigation. But, um, you know, yeah. Okay. So... The trial. So, Lizzie Borden's trial took place in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and it started on June 5th, 1893. The crowds that flocked to the courthouse for her trial were insane, and people waited in line for hours just to get a snippet of the trial and what was happening inside. This was like OJ, but for like the 1800s. Actually. And like, they didn't have TV or anything, so there was just like... Yeah. It was like a scribe in the corner writing Mm -hmm. everything. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, not to mention there were journalists from all around the nation there to document what was going to become the trial of the 19th century. So a very large part of the trial, which was controversial in nature, was the hatchet head, which was unearthed from the basement. And this is mainly due to the fact that the prosecution did a really shitty job at convincing the jury that this was, in fact, the murder weapon. And they made some, like, bad arguments about how they claimed that the killer had removed the handle because it was covered in blood, but... Also, two of their witnesses, who were two officers, had different testimonies. So, one of them stated that the handle was found near the hatchet, and the other said that it was never found. Well, that's helpful. So, such good witnesses you're calling to the stand for this monumental case. And also, the defense later claimed that they hadn't found any bloody clothing at the scene. Which isn't true, because they found the bloody bucket. (laughs) And also, in August, a few months after the trial started... Annie actually decided to testify that she'd witnessed Lizzie burning and ripping her dress. Annie's a friend. I thought her name was Alice. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I'm so sorry. This is all over the place. Alice. Her name is Alice. Decided to testify that she'd witnessed Lizzie burning and ripping her dress. And unshockingly, because they had no rebuttal to this claim, the defense never tried to contradict or fight this statement. And another really big dispute during the trial was Lizzie's whereabouts during the murder of her father so we know where she was during abby's murder well we kind of know where she was she was in the house and she claimed that after um the time that abby's murder took place she went into the barn and was not in the house for quote 20 minutes or possibly half an hour 
And a witness named Hyman... Don't make a joke. This is not a good time to make a joke. Hyman Lubinsky testified for the defense, the, the defense that he saw Lizzie Borden leaving the barn at 11.03 a.m. And Charles Gardner, who is another witness, confirmed this time. A lot of witnesses. I know, shit. right? And at about 11.10 a.m., uh, Lizzie called Bridget downstairs and told her that Andrew had been killed and sent her to a doctor. So, to clear this kerfuckle up, She's full of shit. So she stated that at about 10 minutes, or 10 minutes to 11, she had gone outside, so at about 10.50, and she said that she had gone outside for 20 to 30 minutes, meaning that she would have left the barn at around 11.10 to 11.20. So it wouldn't have made any sense for her to have been seen leaving at 11.03 and then been back in the house by 11.10. Interesting. Yeah. And also the evidence of her, like, literally buying poison was excluded because the judge believed that it was unnecessary and would confuse the jurors. Actually, I feel like that is valid. It is valid. Because you don't really know why, and she also claimed that, like, it was for cleaning furs. Yeah, I feel like the poison could be, like, totally unrelated. Yeah. So I think it's warranted, honestly, that he said he wasn't going to use it. And following the autopsy of her father and stepmother, they actually conserved their... Conserved? That's the right word, right? Like, saved them? Saved them, yeah. Um, Saved them. Saved the skulls of her father and stepmother. And they brought it in as evidence, and apparently right when they showed them, Lizzie fainted. Oh. Yeah. And she was also wearing... Let me just note. She was wearing a black velvet dress with a matching velvet black hat this entire trial so maybe it was heat stroke (laughs) um yeah it was june and august and yeah so wow yeah and the lawyer for the defense this is actually really interesting and i think jillian was like this their closing statement was five hours long no it was not five hours five hours they typically range from like one to two five hours defending lizzie borden you know how long we get in mock trial five minutes yeah five minutes which also feels like a long time, but five hours. What was this guy talking about? Like, was he just like, oh, yeah, Lizzie Borden, yeah, you know how you spell that? L. I. Like, I don't I, even know what he's doing. How do you talk for that long? How do you just talk for that long? And in a closing statement, that is all you were doing. You were only talking. And he was Lizzie Borden's lawyer. So what was he talking about? Because you'd think that you'd want to shut up. No, actually, you'd think you would want to stay quiet. So, this statement actually happened on June 20th of 1893, and after this, the jury deliberated. So, they were in the deliberation room for an hour and a half, but it was later discovered that they almost instantaneously ruled that Lizzie should be acquitted, and then they just sat in the room and did nothing to make it seem like they discussed. Oh. Yeah, they were like, yeah, she didn't do it, but we're just going to sit here and make it seem like we talked about it. Weird. But they didn't. And... Apparently, when this was delivered to Lizzie, she then left the courthouse, and there were a bunch of reporters outside, and they interviewed her, and she said she is the, quote, the happiest woman in the world. Okay, so, like, I get it. She's probably a little happy that she, like, didn't get convicted or whatever. That's understandable, but at the same time, your parents are still dead. They're dead, and their killer is out there, assuming that you didn't do it. Which you most definitely did, but whatever. Yeah. So, after this, she received her father's fortune and lived out the rest of her days in a big-ass house. 
in the Hill neighborhood in Fall River, Massachusetts. And she lived with her sister, Emma, and they had a bunch of workers and live-in employees on their property, and she called this house Maplecroft. And she also began using the name Lisbeth. Why? Why not just Elizabeth? I don't, I don't know. Okay. And apparently she was kind of a philanthropist of sorts, and she donated some money to charity and was involved in the community as much as she could be, because she was basically exiled by the community yeah, around her, even though she was acquitted. And she would often be the victim of gossip and cruel pranks played by the children in the area, including imagine? singing that song in front of their ho- in front of her house. Can you imagine just being a kid and it's like, oh yeah, let's. What do you want to do this Saturday? Let's go attack Lizzie Borden. Let's no, go literally harass her. Let's That's go so verbally harass. Like, and if she did kill two people with an axe very brutally and then lie about it, why, why would, would you, you go there? Her? Why would why you, would you go? Why would you go to her house and be like, you know what? I think this is a good idea. This is gonna be so much fun. No, don't. Oh, no. Geez. And also, if this poor woman is innocent and we just think that she did it, then. Well, she's dead now, so it doesn't really matter. I know, but, oh my god, I'm sorry. Who um, else definitely did it, Izzy? Who else would have? I don't Bridget? know. Bridget? <laughs> like, who would have done it? I don't know, but yeah. And even though she was, like, and yeah, so in 1905, she actually ended up having an argument with her sister over planning a party for a celebrity, and her sister Emma moved out and never spoke to her again. I mean, I guess it's better than murder. Yeah. Okay. She didn't kill her with a hatchet. Okay, I've been waiting for this part, guys. I'm no, really this part's excited. so good. I'm really excited. We're getting into the why, the theories of this The case. why. Why the fuck did Lizzie Borden do this? Because um, we all know she did it. Yeah. Okay, so basically, there's the one theory. This is the Borden theory. The spoiled brat who hated her parents theory. Yeah. So she wanted to inherit the wealth, and her stepmother was like, you know, preventing that. Because, you know, that Abby was like, <laughs> you know, let's let's give all my all the property to my family or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, her dad, like, you know, that mother Philiker killed her pet pigeons. Like, I would be pissed too. Yeah. He was like, these pigeons suck. They gotta go and just shot them to death. Like, that- that's gotta that's gotta sting when you're a crazy 30-year-old woman that lives at home. <laughs> um she was probably, you know, sick of the life she was living under her parents' rule, and she was, like, 30. She lived like a teenager. She had chores and shit. I, that would piss me off. Yeah. Um, and so she was like, what is the best way? I could, you know, move out and, like, you know, get, get a married job. or something. I don't know. Well, she wouldn't have gotten a job. It was the 1800s. She probably would have gotten married. Yeah. But I could, she could move out, you know. No. Nope. She killed him. Hmm. And I also, okay, this is a batshit crazy theory, okay? I saw this, and it was written, like, it was came up with by a crime writer. Oh. Like a fiction. Mm-hmm. Fiction? That's a fake one? Fiction is fake. Okay. Yeah. Um, he basically said that he thought that um, Lizzie and Bridget were sleeping with each other. Oh. And that they got found out. Mm. But I do not believe that. No. Of course you found that theory. I did find okay. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. My final theory that I've been waiting for. This one's so good! Okay, like, sorry. All day to share this. Okay. This is the haunted house theory. Okay. So, Lizzie had an Uncle Lad- Lodwick. I don't know. He sounds like a character in Clue. Anyway, her Uncle La- Lodwick. This is like Hyman. <laughs> lived in the house next door to Lizzie Borden. Um, like, the murder house. Mm-hmm. But in, like, 1848. So Lizzie wasn't even born yet. Her family didn't live there yet. Whatever. So, just somehow, coincidentally, her uncle lived in this house 
next door. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so his he was married several times, um, like I think four in total or something. But anyway, on his second wife, Eliza Darling Borden, she like brutally murdered her two <gasps> children while living in that house. What's up with his family? Like brutally murdered them. Um, and actually rumored that these ghosts haunt the Borden house. Okay. So, a lot of people will go stay in the Lizzie Borden house now, because it's like a tourist attraction. Yeah. And the people that stay there say that they can hear childish laughter on the second and third floor. Yeah. Anyway, so my little theory is that, like, maybe Lizzie was, like, possessed by one of these kids. Because think about it. If I were possessed by... Um, or let's say, let's say I was a ghost of a kid that was murdered by their mom. Yeah. I'd want to kill the parents, too. Yeah. I feel like that's a valid thing to want. And then also, you said this, and I was just thinking about this. You said that she was, like, when, with the door thingy. She oh, yeah, she was laughing. On the stairs. <gasps> on the stairs. Ooh. Upstairs. Like, think about how creepy that is. That is really creepy. And I'm just saying, like, what if she, what if she don't got possessed and then killed her parents? I believe that theory. But also, she also seems crazy cakes, so, like... Yeah. I, I don't know. Girl had pet pigeons. Yeah. I just I think know. this case is crazy. I think it's crazy, too. I like to think... I like the haunted house theory, though. I, think it's I do, fun. too. I think, it's, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so this was the uh, Lizzie Borden case. I just want to say, I'm sorry if it's a bit convoluted. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is a big case. Anyway, it's been a while since we recorded. We've yeah. We've taken on a little bit off more than we could have chewed. Yeah. Chown. <laughs> Chown? Ah, yeah. Chon. I think you can tell that this is the first one we've done. <laughs> okay, guys. We've been doing only toxic positivity, so I think that's also impacting yeah. us. Okay, yeah. guys. Let us know if you want to hear, like, more supernaturally stories. Yeah! And, you know, you could do that by emailing us at, you know, teengirlsinvestigatecrime at gmail.com or DMing us on Instagram at tgic.podcast. Make sure to check out this week's bonus episode as well. Bye! Bye.